Welcome to the Conservation Queens podcast. We are four girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are real-life zoo employees. As always, nothing that we say reflects our organizations and all thoughts and opinions are our own. Please keep in mind we try to keep the podcast around PG-13, so if you have younger listeners, you may want to review the content beforehand. I'm Emily. I'm Kenzie. And I'm Abby. And with that, let's talk about stuff. I don't know about you guys. I'm exhausted. Ta-da! Oh, summer is swing, and summer means zoo camp. So that's what Emily and I are doing. And Kenzie (laughs) is working very, very hard in a greenhouse somewhere in the great beyond. You mean (laughs) Hell's front porch? Because yes, that. It's fine. We're all fine. So if we're tired, sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. I deserve (laughs) this. Um. Should we jump right in to the news? Let's do it. Uh, We've got a really cool conservation update. Katie's not here this week because she's also working hard doing her primate thing. She's going Uh, camping. She's going camping. Which we'll talk about. We'll get to that. Um, So one of – this is something that got me really excited, and I think everybody got kind of excited about this. But uh, in conservation news, the Spix's macaw, which was – originally um extinct in the wild and only had a couple in zoos has been relocated to northeastern brazil that's awesome which is incredible if you don't know the spixes macaw yes you do it's the bird in rio oh and they thought that that movie would kind of help the macaw and then it uh didn't really so they have 180 healthy birds right now which is pretty amazing and i believe they released um eight that seems like some i think so are they tracking them at all or do they just release they're on a reserve so i think they probably are doing some tracking efforts uh this article is unhelpful but it does they've been out of they have been extended to the wild for 22 years this is a really big deal if this reintroduction is successful it will be the first bird species ever reintegrated into the wild that's amazing right so we'll we'll watch that because i am i'm at least curious about it i think it's amazing so and they're really pretty they're so pretty well let's keep our fingers crossed that these guys do well so it's kind of zoo news i guess but now let's get into the real zoo news and let me tell you (laughs) I don't know what happened this week in zoos, but there were some crazy things. Um, the first one is one that I saw. I don't remember if it was on TikTok or if it was on Facebook. But a German shepherd got into the gorilla enclosure at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. What? I saw that. But they got him out. They got him out. Nobody was harmed. No animals. They recalled no the staff, gorillas. No guests. The gorillas were like, eh, food in the back. More interesting. Um, and that is the one line that this article in USA Today gave me. So that's the end of that story. Yeah, that was the first thing I found when I searched the news today. Which is, I don't know. I Interesting. Um, next. So this is also something I saw on TikTok that is kind of cryptid 
so the the title of the article is 80 security cameras donated to Amarillo Zoo to help un, to help solve an unidentified Amarillo object mystery. And basically that me some joy. It basically there was uh, at the Amarillo Zoo in Texas uh, there is this picture of something outside the fence line and they're trying to figure out what it is. To me being kind of a skeptic it looks like somebody with long hair wearing a cowboy hat carrying some keys that's what it looks like to me what however other people (laughs) say that it uh, and i i don't disagree kind of looks like a chupacabra um just search amarillo zoo on google i'm sure it'll be the first thing that pops up I gotta look at this. Yeah, I need to see um, this mystery creature. Yeah, uh, I'm like you, Abby. Like, I love a great crypto zoology supernatural story, but I'm pretty much a skeptic. <laughs> okay, I want you to know that when you Google Amar- Amarillo Zoo, the first like thing that pops up is Amarillo Zoo creature, and if you click that, it shows top stories and it gives you like four news articles. And the first, what the second news article that it shows just shows night vision, a, a night vision picture of a hippopotamus. <laughs> Uh, that's not the right picture. Oh, I see it. It looks like a raccoon standing on its back legs. It looks like yes. Rocket Raccoon from the Avengers. Yes, except that look how tall it is. That's a big fence. Yeah, that is kind of freaky looking, but... I, I think, think it's a person. It does have people legs and people arms. Mm-hmm. And I can see why people are getting freaked out. Um... And I love cryptozoology. It is one of my favorite subjects. I am fascinated with mythology and cryptids. But I am very skeptical for a lot of them, except for maybe the Yeti, which I'm pretty sure is real, because we just can't get up that high in the Himalayan mountains. Um, but this Ooh, looks just... Sorry, kind of- that just reminded me of a point to make later. So someone remind me. Um, when? Remind me when we talk about traveling on durable surfaces about yetis i will know what that means okay (laughs) i'm gonna make a note yeti cool i'll know what that means i i just want to put my two cents in here on this picture it looks like they have a horse head almost oh maybe it's one of those horse masks oh oh, good (laughs) somehow that's more terrifying than a chupacabra Someone I know used to have one of those in high school and would wear it to like football games and stuff. I hate that. Yeah, that tracks. But doesn't look like it's the Midwest. Yeah, that tracks. Um, but doesn't it look like they're kind of wearing like a straw cowboy hat, and then there's like the hair. Yeah, I can. I do see the hair. Keys. I can see where it might look like it's holding something like keys. Yeah. But they're donating eighty cameras. (laughs) That's overkill. (laughs) Primity. These some high-res definition cameras. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so let me just kind of read this article. It's from Fox 34, which I don't usually use Fox News as a reliable source, but I think this is probably fine. Um, it says, we're making it our mission at Wise, which is the company that's donating these cameras. Hey, to- I have one of those. Ah, to make sure when and if it comes back, we get all the answers we need. That's why we are sending 80 of our cameras. The Wise Cam V3 has color night vision, so we get a clear shot of when the UAO, unidentified Amarillo object, That's when amazing. and if it comes back. 
not that this is an ad because it's not, but I do have a wise camera. It's great. 10 out of 10. We use it for Ellie. And now we'll be able to know if there's a person. With if these. the chupacabra is real. Yeah, exactly. So Very I just thought that was really funny. It's not really zoo news because it has like zero to do with animals, but it made me laugh. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's outside the zoo, so it's it's zoo. It's zoo adjacent. <laughs> oh, we um, have zoology, so we're good. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, finally, this rhino one, super interesting. Uh, the Cincinnati Zoo had their rhinos take personality tests. That's cool. Which is interesting um it was performed at the zoo as part of a rhino study by the american institute of rhinoceros science which today that i kind of sounds that like scientology but okay yes but with rhinos instead of whatever scientologists zorb all hail zorb zorb <laughs> yep 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 um so they we know basically they're saying we know that every animal has a unique personality. We want to figure out how different types of management will differ for different kinds of animals because they might need different things. Yeah. Um, and so they found that their uh, Cincinnati Zoo's black rhino, Seiya, is curious but careful. Her two year old calf, a Johnny Joe, which is an amazing Aww. name, is bold and playful. So those are the two that they have uh, figured out, but very interesting. I love everything about this. Can we Myers-Briggs all of our animals? <laughs> that would be – yeah, let Matt, me just – Calvin is a, a – Calvin is a, an E ENTJ. I don't know. Something like that. Calvin's in charge of everything. And for, and for everybody who's wondering who Calvin is, we're not going to tell you. Calvin is an animal that lives at a facility that we work at, and he is just a riot. He's definitely an E, and I think J for judgy. Yes. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) 100%. He's less judgy than, like, the other ones are, though. Yeah. Well, I got a picture with Calvin, and in the camera, I can see the judgment in his eyes, so. Well, everybody can see his eyes because his eyes are like freaking golf balls in his skull. (laughs) I like that we're leaving our listeners in a mystery of what Calvin is. If you know Calvin, you know this is true. Yeah, this is an if you know, you know. So. All right. Um, Beluga news. Yeah, okay. Beluga news, the best news. Um, Okay, so this is actually very cute. Um, So, unfortunately, I don't live in Canada, spoiler alert. But if I did, I would be going to my nearest Canadian post office. Are you telling me that Canada and Florida are not near each other? Well, not yet. <laughs> um, maybe in a couple couple uh, thousand million years, but alas. I don't think you know how geography works. I don't know how Pangea works. Um, <laughs> anyway, okay, also, sorry, total aside. Um, we have none I, of those, so this I is I drove new. by an apartment complex recently that was called, like, Pangea something. What? And I was like, that is the weirdest name for an apartment complex I've ever seen. Anyway. Um, yeah, because anyway. Pangea is most famous for breaking apart, which I feel like is not really right. the vibe you want in an apartment complex. Again, it doesn't make sense. Sorry, um, but anyway, doing. I'm eating my taco. That's all right. So if I went, if I lived in Canada, I'd be going to the post office because um, they just introduced a new set of stamps that are all endangered cetacean species. 
Um, and it's to raise awareness about them. And it includes a beluga whale stamp. It is the cutest little stamp I've ever seen. Um, but it also includes a killer whale stamp, a blue whale stamp, a North Atlantic right whale stamp, and a bottlenose whale stamp. Not a bottlenose dolphin, a bottlenose whale. Thank God. Um, so if you live in Canada or you know somebody who does, tell them to go get these amazing whale stamps and send them to me. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, they are cute. They are. The beluga one is very cute. I mean, they're all cute, but the beluga one is extra cute. I'm not biased. I would never. Um, okay. Uh, take it away, Abby. I think we have quite the topic this week. It's a good one. So like we said, Katie is camping this week. I don't know about you guys. I am also going camping this summer. Me Very too. Good. Emily? Nope. That's a no for me. Thank you so much. I will not Great, be taking questions tried. at this time. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only word we need to say is wedding planning. And uh, yeah. A little busy. A little busy. A little busy. Oh, um, so in the spirit of a lot of us going camping and people being outside for the summer, um, no matter how hot and terrible it is, we are talking about leave no trace, which if you don't know, it is basically saying if you're going in nature, leave it like you found it. Like I tell the children, leave the nature in the nature. We've been trying that. So Emily and I, like we said, we're at summer camp. We've been trying to that with the kindergartners. Uh, it is not working. Oh, yeah. But... They, don't, they don't catch that. But anything like fourth grade and up can figure that out. Well, we don't even tell them leave no trace. We just want them to stop picking up sticks every three seconds. Like, that's all we're trying to do. Uh, and Unless. it's not working. That's fine. Um, so leave no trace is a movement that started... Was it with the Boy Scouts or? I tried to look on their About Us page and it didn't give me much information, but I can look it up. Leave No Trace origin story. Also, there is a movie, though, coming out about called Leave No Trace, but it's about um, abuse scandals. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, Sorry to cut you off, Kenzie. No, no, no. Um, The Leave No Trace was developed in 1990 by the United States Forest Service in conjunction with the National Outdoor Leadership School. Amazing. Oh, that's much better. Yeah. So good peoples are over here and they're like, hey, people be leaving a lot of garbage in nature. They probably shouldn't. So their mission statement says that the organization accomplishes its mission of Leave No Trace by providing innovative education, skills, research, and science to help people care for the outdoors. By working with the public and those managing public lands, Leave No Trace focuses on educating people instead of costly restoration programs or access restrictions as the most effective and least resource-intensive solution to land protection. So this is basically saying, look, it's either we do this now or later we're going to have to spend a bunch of money to fix what we've ruined. Or we're going to have to stop letting you into these beautiful natural areas. Right. So um, the National Park Service, the Bureau of Land Management, and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service all follow the Leave No Trace motto, which is amazing. And I do love it. We talk about it all the time at work. I don't know about you guys. Like all the time. It's pretty good. I used to – I. Uh, spent a spring um, several years ago with a state park here in Florida. And basically my job for the entire time that I was there was to implement Leave No Trace principles into every single education program that they had, which was pretty cool. That's incredible. So Emily's kind of been the the leader of this episode um, and helped us a lot. And I'm going to kind of go over 
the following issues that Leave No Trace is trying to solve. So first is trash natural areas, obvious, polluted water, misinformation in the outdoors, which I love because there's a lot of that. Um, wildlife at risk, damaged trails, destructive fires, connecting youth to natures, which is the thing I am most passionate about, and crowded parks, which also suck because we hate that. Um, so what we're going to do is go over the seven Leave No Trace principles and talk about um, how those can be implemented into your summer plans because we want to all be good environmental stewards and this is a really easy and cheap way to do that. Yes. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get started with the first one. There are seven principles. They are meant to be adaptable to any type of outdoor recreational activity that you may be participating in in nature. Um, so keep that in mind as we go through them. These are all adaptable. They're meant to be vague on purpose. Um, we did kind of list out a lot of the details underneath, but really the principle itself is meant to be vague so that you can adapt it to whatever it is you're doing. Um, so the very first one is plan ahead and prepare. Um, which, you know, some people are very good at that. Others, maybe not so much. So what? if you are <laughs> planning a trip to a natural area or find yourself going to a natural area, um, start thinking about your trip and ways that you can apply all these other principles that we're going to um, list out for you. Um, it can lead to better safety. Um, if you're preparing properly, you'll have the right equipment. You will know where you're going. You will have a plan for if things go haywire. You will have appropriate first aid equipment, things like that. Um, again, it will help you be safe and have a good time. That just um, sounds in... like what my job at camp is this entire summer. <laughs> yes. Um, so also for plan ahead and prepare, um, they recommend um, kind of these steps, which are to identify and record the goals of your trip. So like, what are you expecting? What do you want to get out of this trip? Um, the next one is to identify the skill and ability level of all participants. So do we think that we should take Emily to go hike Mount Everest? Mm, probably not. Um, but do we think we can take Emily to the beach so she can enjoy the ocean? Yes, absolutely. That is within my <laughs> skill and ability level. A hundred percent. Mount Everest, maybe not this year. Um, don't you love my example? So good. Should we <laughs> take the Conservation Queens to more zoos? Yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Should we take the Conservation Queens in a backcountry hike for 10 days with Emily? No, probably not. I was going to say, Abby and Kenzie are down. Yeah, Woo! I was going to say, many of the queens would be down for that. Emily would struggle after day three. Day um, three? That's very generous of you. I know my <laughs> limits, okay? I know my limits. My limits involve a straightening iron for my hair. I am a baby. <laughs> uh, I did used to camp all the time as a kid, though, so I'm not, like, unfamiliar with all of this. Um, yeah, but you don't to... have to do extreme camping. Like... The yeah. limits thing is a good example. So my husband and I are going camping with my family this summer, and he has never been camping before. I've been camping since I was eight months old. So to compromise, we're going to our favorite campsite, but we're getting a cabin. There you and go. Because he's worried about, like, showering and bathroom situation. And that's understandable because he's just not really an outdoorsy person. So being able to kind of accommodate that so camping is better for everybody is going to help all of us have a better trip and probably a safer trip as well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, the next one is to research and gain knowledge of the area you're planning to visit. Um, so look at a map of where you're going and any hikes you plan to go on. Um, read up on the area, kind of figure out the do's and don'ts of the areas that you're going to. Um, the next one is choose equipment and clothing for comfort, safety, and like leave no trace qualities. So should we take a bunch of, oh, I don't know, 
like plastic sandwich baggies into nature? Probably not. Um, but could we take a reusable glass Tupperware container? Wow, yes, such a better idea. We can or take that home with plastic, us. Plastic, actually, because that's lighter and that's probably well, safer yeah. too. Right. But it's reusable. But, yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. The next one is plan trip activities to match everybody's abilities. Again, are we going to take Emily uh, surfing big waves on the North Shore of Hawaii? Maybe not. Are we going to take her on a nature walk where there's a boardwalk? Absolutely. <laughs> Emily can do that. Again, you want to look at your skills and abilities as a group, okay? And plan to your maybe not most adventurous level. Um, and then the last one is when you get done with your trip, evaluate everything that happened and make any changes that you would want for the future. So if something didn't go the way you planned or you weren't prepared for something, next time you go on that same adventure or similar adventure, you'll be more prepared. Yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to talk about, because you talked about, um, like planning your adventure ahead, Mm -hmm. there's a really cool company called Bright Beta Co. Uh, and they have these really awesome adventure logs that you can get. And basically it's just this little tiny pocketbook and inside it has a page where you can fill out like what you were doing, who you were with, um, what the weather conditions were like. And I just think it's a really cool way to see and plan ahead what's going on. Neat. And then it tells you like notes for next time, what wildlife you saw, what snacks you ate, cool things that happened. Like I like this. I, I got a pack of three. I gave one to a friend um, for a secret Santa. And then I have two more. And so... Bright Beta Co. is a small business run by two women. Uh, if you have ever have seen the subpar parks on Instagram with like the funny one-star reviews. Oh, yes. It's the same lady who does that, but she also, she makes planners and these adventure logs. And I cannot say enough good things about their company. I love it. They I'm don't know me at- either, so. I'm looking at their Facebook page right now and it looks really cool. It's awesome. They've got really good leave no trace principles too, so. We love it. Speaking of, <laughs> let's get to it. What you got, Abby? <laughs> uh, when we are going out and being leave no trace friendly, we're going to travel and camp on durable surfaces. And then it says Yeti, which I thought meant the coolers, but then I realized it does not. Emily? <laughs> yes. Um, so Abby's getting ready to talk about how you should stay on the trail when you are going places that you've never been before, if there is a trail. Um, I saw a photo online recently of a bunch of hikers summoning Mount Everest. And it looked like the most crowded traffic jam of a hike I have ever seen. Um, But it was because they were trying to stay on the trail. So we do like that. And I was thinking Mount Everest, Yeti, you know, that was the connection there. So maybe they've seen Yetis. Because you were like, we can't go into the Himalayas. And I was like, well, we can can go to Mount Everest. We can see a Yeti there. Okay. Well, here's the thing. We don't have time for this now, but I will talk to you about this tomorrow. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, continue on. So when you're traveling, use the gosh dang trails. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I was in a musical when I was really, really young. And there was literally, it was a version of Red Riding Hood. And there was literally a song called Stay on the Trail. And it says, stay on the trail. Stay on the trail, oh baby. That's stay on the stay on the trail <laughs> and like it just kept going and i just every time i go hiking i sing that song to myself 
Um, and now you can too. And that's going to help because the trails are there for a reason. It's not like a suggestion. It's saying this is the safe place for you to walk. This is where we're not going to damage any wildlife. And honestly, the wildlife in the area are used to people being on that spot. So you should stay there because you're not disrupting anybody else's natural state of being. I hate it when I see people off the trails. Um, also providing space for others. We don't want to crowd the trail and take up the whole spot. Nothing's more annoying than when you're walking around somewhere and there's a big group standing in the middle. Hello. And you can't get by. Not a real life example at all. <laughs> at the zoo every day. Literally. So being able to just be courteous to other hikers is really, really important. Um, but still staying on the trail. Um, when you're traveling off trail, if you have to, use durable surfaces. So that's rocks and gravel and like packed down dirts. And be aware of the frequency use of those trails. So because we don't want to disturb any like really soft soil or you don't want to end up chest deep in a bog by accident. So we're providing space for everybody. And we're making sure that if we're going off the trail, which you shouldn't, if you don't have to, to use durable surfaces, which means like a rocks or a gravel or like bitty trails. Like I would, Emily, would you mean like a deer trail? Do you think? Yes. Yes. One? Yes. I was thinking like a designated pathway that is not a like paved trail or a like marked area, like, like a deer trail is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. It's so like a deer trail so that you can at least know that something walks there and the wildlife in the area is used to the impact of things walking around it um but you have to be really aware of the frequency of the use of the trails because you don't want to like over traffic the trail either uh rock sand and gravel are all considered highly durable because if you step on it nothing's really going to happen yep those are considered the best choices Versus ice and snow, which are fine if it's deep enough to minimize the impact um, to any vegetation underneath, which, where I come from, was usually never an issue <laughs> when we got five feet of snow in a night. Um, but I imagine in other places that could be more problematic and you need to be more aware of that. Um, vegetation should be avoided when possible. You don't want to step on the plants. The plants are alive. The bugs live in the plants. We need the bugs. And the plants. And then any living soil, mud, and puddles should be avoided so that we can avoid contaminating earth and water sources. So we have chemicals literally all over our bodies, not on purpose, but if you're wearing like bug spray or sunscreen, any of those things can contaminate earth and water sources. So we want to be really careful about how we're traveling so we don't get that into places it shouldn't be. Like reef safe sunscreen at coral reefs which i guess i don't know i think water qualifies as a durable surface but um wow that joke was really funny sorry actively trying to pick a drink right now <laughs> so i was absolutely not listening i love you so much i'm so sorry i said water is doesn't qualify as a durable surface uh, sorry about I that I was, yeah. Yeah, I, we're doing I was, our best <laughs> We're doing our best. Remember when I said we were tired earlier this episode? <laughs> that would be At, nice. David's trying to open his drink right next to my microphone. Wow. Helpful. Very David. helpful. We're, Hi, just, we're talking about minimizing impact. <laughs> <laughs> this is staying in. Um, yes. Okay. Where anyway, 
if you're going camping like most of us are this summer we have to do our best to balance social and environmental impacts like use a campsite and maybe don't camp one foot away from the next tent Yes. Also, that sucks because camping really close to people you don't know is the worst. It really is. You can hear so, everything. Oh. I just mean like babies are loud, you know? Uh-huh. Making That's babies I mean. also can be loud. Okay. Wasn't going to go there. Thank you so much. <laughs> you, you, you PG-13. It. That's fine. Um, you also should camp uh, 200 feet away from any water sources, and that allows wildlife to pass. An example of why you should do that. I don't know if I've told this story before about um, camping in Africa and the hippo. Have I talked uh, about this? Yes, I think you have. Okay. Well, long story short, there's a hippo right behind my tent, and we probably should have been a little bit farther away from the river because we were very scared it was going to hear us and run over our tent. Very it good. did not. I survived. Um, so definitely di- disperse your camping site so everybody's away from each other. Um and it's good to avoid repetitive traffic routes and move camp every night. Um, I would think this is not for like a, a well-used campground. No, this is for like yeah. backcountry. Yeah. So you don't want to stay in the same place all night because you're squishing all the things and you want to let them like be unsquished the next day. And then when you are breaking camp, take time to naturalize the site. Cover scuffed areas of native materials like pine needles. Brush out your footprints. Rake any matted grassy areas with a stick. Make it look nice. Make it look not like a campsite anymore. So you're leaving no trace. There should the next person who gets there should have no idea you were there the night before. And then, as you're breaking camp, you probably make waste. That's a transition, Kenzie. (laughs) That is the smoothest transition I've heard in a long time. (laughs) Our specialty here on Conservation Queens are smooth transitions. Smooth transitions and segues. Yeah, let's talk about. (laughs) waste baby so the next so you've probably heard of the saying pack it in pack it out welcome to the leave no trace principle numero tres literally it literally <laughs> literally littering is not okay guys is, oh my god this is true littering is never cool especially when you're visiting a natural or wild area so when we say pack it in pack it out what does that mean exactly great question Unless you are able to dispose of your refuse in the proper wildlife-proof receptacles, whatever. That's really important, though. Yes, yes. In Florida, we have some bear problems. And if you don't have a bear lock on your trash, the next morning you wake up and the trash is everywhere. Yes, we are getting to that. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) you make sure to dispose of your refuse in the proper wildlife-proof receptacles. Whatever you brought with you, has to go back and yes that includes things like toiletries toilet paper and certain hygiene products for all you folks with the uterus like myself now this is especially important if you find yourself in remote areas like the back country where there's no access to things like trash cans or bathroom facilities uh, real speaking, camping yes well i don't know camping <laughs> <laughs> speaking of which if and when you do have to go uh, what is advised is you dig what's commonly referred to as a cat hole. Now, these are going to be about six to eight inches deep where you can deposit your <clears throat> business. Uh, <laughs> but make sure to do so at least 200 feet from your camping site, like Abby said earlier, uh, this, and also away from the trail and the water sources and bury it when you're done. 
So this is supposed to help avoid contamination and disease later on. It's just simple hygiene, hygienics, hygienics, hygiene, simple hygiene. Gosh, I am tired as well. You're doing uh, great. <laughs> I'm trying my best. Uh, same thing applies when you're using water to wash dishes or bathe in. Remember, 200 feet is going to be your magic number when it comes to disposing of your waste. And there's a lot of soaps, too, that are, like, made of natural materials, so it is mm -hmm. easier and technically safer, but you still should not. You shouldn't put it directly into a water source is what no. we're saying. Get a bucket. Yeah. Use a bucket. It's not that hard. Yeah. Uh, I will say bucket showers are actually pretty nice. I also had those when I was camping in Africa. So are um, wet wipe showers. <laughs> which is what I usually did. That is definitely a thing, too, that we do out in the field for sure. We smelled so bad. <laughs> that <laughs> bus was hot. There was no AC that we were, like, traveling from park to park on. And we were all, like, apologizing to each other all the time. It was stinky. Yes, I'm sure it was. Now, if you're out exploring or camping in a populated area, make sure to dispose of trash and discarded items in, again, the proper receptacles and facilities. Keeping your food locked up from wildlife is especially important for your safety and, of course, for the safety of animals as well. Oh, my so, God, I've got an anecdote. I have an anecdote, too. Oh, my God, you go first, and I'll tell you. Thank you. My dad's. Uh, so when my boyfriend and I, we recently went on our first camping trip together, which was really fun, to this place called Alexander Springs up in Ocala National Forest. And we were really excited, or at least I was super excited, to find out that each campsite actually came with a bear-proof food locker. So usually if you find yourself in areas like that, you definitely want to utilize them and make sure to follow the instructions on the locker itself. That is very important. And of course... It's also just not nice to leave a mess. It's unsanitary and rude, and it's just not pleasant to the eye. You wouldn't want people coming into your home and making a mess and then leaving and not even bothering to pick up after themselves. So just be polite. Clean up after yourselves. Pack it in. Pack it out. I will say, if we go back to the food thing, mm -hmm. my dad has told us this story about when he was camping in the Boundary Waters, which is a really remote place in northern Minnesota. It's on the boundary of Minnesota and Canada. It's just a bunch of lakes. There's no motor traffic. You have only canoe. And they had, like, their food, and they were hanging it up for the night so that bears couldn't get to it, right? Mm -hmm. The middle of the night, they wake up, and the, he and his buddies hear, like, some scratching and some, like, weird noises. So they take out their flashlight, and they look up, and there's a bear that was, like, tightrope walking across their hang where their food was. It got into their pack. It stole a bottle of ketchup and then just left reasonable bottle of ketchup that was the one thing the bear took he said okay. you know what i like ketchup which well, so he was like we did everything right but nature's gonna nature so i don't know it's my favorite story of just like imagining this bear squeezing a bottle of ketchup into his mouth <laughs> what would a bear think of purple ketchup oh i don't know what i think of purple ketchup these are the questions i think about what is purple um, Okay, so the next leave no trace principle is leave what you find. So if you didn't take it in and you just found it, you should leave it there unless it's garbage, in which case you should just... At um, all the really, campers that we have this week. <laughs> really, this is... I mean, all of leave no trace is about minimizing your impact, right? So this is about minimizing your impact on wildlife, plants, etc. Um, you 
don't want to take any flowers that you find because those are good habitat for the bees and the pollinators. You don't want to take any seashells you find at the beach because you know who lives there? Hermit crabs and other, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Epi, epifauna, epi, epifauna. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Animals that live on other things. Um, Epiphytes? Epiphytes. Yeah, epiphytes, epifauna, it's all the same. Um, You want to leave, this applies to both natural items and cultural artifacts. So if you find an arrowhead or you find a piece of pottery or that sort of thing, that is illegal to actually take (laughs) from the public lands. So please don't do that. Yeah, so please don't do that. If you're in Hawaii and you see black sand on the beach and you're like, wow, you know what I should do? Take some of this home. And then you get home and your house burns down because Pele smited you. Maybe you shouldn't have done that to begin with. And that's um, like a real thing. It's true. I've heard it like happens thousands frequently. Thousands of stories about people who like took black sand and then they like. Yep. Don't do it. Bad. Pele will smite you. Um, but yeah, the moral of the story is if you see something cool in nature, you should leave it there because it is cool in nature. Um, and these items, like I said, they make important habitats for animals. And for example, if you had a gravel path and every single person who walked on that gravel path took a rock from the path, all of a sudden you would not have a path anymore. Um, you know, it's fine when one person does it, but if a hundred thousand people do it, all of a sudden we have a problem. So don't be one of those people. Um, you also want to role model this to those around you. So if you're traveling with small children and they're like, wow, you know what we should do? Take every seashell from the beach, teach them. Um, and then really, this is like the like cheesy phrase that everybody always says, but it's like, take only photos and memories and leave only footprints, which is what you should do. Yeah. Very good. You know what you shouldn't leave? Trash. Fire! Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Smokey the Bear says, only you can prevent forest fires. And he's right. Well, natural fires are okay. We've talked about that before. So don't be the one person who's going to, like, ruin thousands of lives of people, animals, plants. So it should speak for itself. But there's also the question of, should you build a fire? And the answer is not always no. (laughs) Because fire is important for, like, cooking stuff and surviving. So the most important consideration when you're deciding to use a fire is what is the damage I'm going to make to this area, especially if you're in the backcountry, because there's not usually a fire pit. So you have to ask yourself a couple questions. Number one, what is the fire danger for the time of year and the location you have selected? For example, in Florida, in the summer, there's a relatively low fire danger because there's a whole lot of rain and everything's kind of soggy. But if you're up in northern Minnesota during the summer... It could be a lot higher impact if there hasn't been a lot of rain because things could be dry and catch a lot easier. So you want to be really safe about your area and where you are and when you are. Number two, are there restrictions from the agency that manages the area? Don't break the law. It's not that hard. It shouldn't be that hard. Number three, is there sufficient wood so its removal will not be noticeable? So don't take like the last tree. We've all seen the Lorax. It does not end well. Don't be that person. Uh, you know, she also asked, does the harshness of alpine and desert growing conditions for trees and shrubs mean their generation of wood sources cannot keep pace with the demand for firewood? So if you're in the middle of the desert, there's not a lot of trees to begin with. So you taking the last tree would take probably hundreds of years to then regrow more trees to replace that area. So you don't want to do that. But if you're in like 
a hardwood forest and there's lots of trees around and lots of little saplings and maybe there's some downed branches already, that might be a better source that you can get firewood from. Uh, do group members possess the skills to build a campfire that will leave no trace? So are you going to impact the area around you? How much? And does everybody know how to like do that? Be safe fires. We like the safe fires a lot. Um, try to use areas where fires have already been. So it's a fire pit. Um, one thing that I do, I know we are talking about like little impact, but being able to surround your campfire with rocks is really helpful because rocks don't really burn. And that way you can kind of minimize the impact later and then just put the rocks back when you're done. And don't bring firewood from home. One of the worst problems that we have in the um, United States east of the Mississippi River is the stupid emerald ash borer. And the number one way that it gets spread is by people moving firewood around. So stop doing that because it spreads invasive species and it's a problem. So buy it where you're camping from like the ranger station or gather it where you are allowed as long as you're doing it responsibly. And that's my soapbox. So <laughs> yeah. You're doing great, sweetie. Thank you. That one makes me mad because they're killing all of our trees. They don't like it. That's true. Kenzie, should we respect wildlife? <laughs> should we? <laughs> yes. Yes, we should respect wildlife. We should make oh, a thought, podcast about that. I thought maybe we were just going to not do that one today. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're doing it. Time uh, to go punch a bird, I guess. <laughs> I'm I don't know. I I know one wildlife. Well, she's not a wildlife. She's a domestic life that Is I do not respect. It's Ellie. <laughs> I guess I don't really respect Azubi that much either. I respect Carl. Carl's great. 10 oh, out of 10. tell them about Carl. They don't know about Carl. They don't know about Carl. You're right. All right. Listeners. Sorry. Segway. So, pause. We'll, we'll talk about respecting wildlife in a moment, but... Um, so last week, somebody from my neighborhood put on the Facebook page, Hey, um, does anybody want a Russian tortoise? Because my kid doesn't want it anymore slash isn't taking care of it. And I said, hold the front door. <laughs> I will absolutely take this poor little tortoise off your hands. Um, for those of you who don't know, my little brother James used to have a Russian tortoise growing up and she was just the sweetest thing of all time. Um, so we adopted this Russian tortoise who we have affectionately named Carl. Um, he is two years old. He's a Russian tortoise and he looks so angry all the time and I love him. Um, he burrows. That's his favorite thing to do. He's a very good eater. Um, he's very adventurous and he loves Ellie and Ellie loves him and they have the cutest relationship. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. Ellie just wants to go be around him all the time. Um, so yeah, Carl and Ellie, best things ever. I love Carl. That's my Carl rant for today. I will, I would, I would listen to a whole podcast about Carl. Let's be real. He's very cute. He doesn't like kale, though. That's what I've learned about him. What? He doesn't like kale. He likes spring mix, and he likes spinach, um, and he'll eat some squash. I haven't tried too much else with him yet, um, but he does not like the kale. Every time I put it in there, he doesn't eat it. So no more kale for Carl. Carl's got to get better with his kale. It's all right. He doesn't need to eat it. It's meant to be more of like a sometimes thing anyway, so that's all right. He's doing fine. I think we call it enrichment, Emily. It's true. Um, all right. Let's talk about um, real wildlife. Kenzie, how should we respect them? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I cannot stress this enough. That really cute Insta pic, it's not worth being mauled to death by a moose <laughs> it's, it's really not, folks. I'm going to tell you right now. 
Is this a it, real life it, example? Don't do it for the gram. I can't think of a specific example, but it is unfortunately not unheard of of people getting way too close to wildlife, especially like the bison in Yellowstone. I was going to say, you know. didn't somebody just get gored in Yellowstone? Probably. You or maybe know? it wasn't Yellowstone, but someone definitely just got gored by a bison because they were getting too close. This just recently happened. I'm assuming where it was. that's a, probably a weekly occurrence for them. Um, let me find. Oh, it was in Yellowstone. Well, um, at the, uh, yes. uh, like three weeks ago. Well, right now nobody can get into Yellowstone, so that's true. Yellowstone's <laughs> flooding. If you have a trip plan, check it out before you go. Yep, prepare. Ah, that's ah. number one. <laughs> Rule number one of leave no trace. There you go. Uh, as previously stated, it is extremely dangerous to approach wildlife. Yes, these animals may seem cute and docile from far away. But they are, again, still wild animals. And interacting with them can either result in death or injury or even potential spread of disease for both you and the animal. Uh, by teaching animals to not fear humans, uh, this can put them in serious danger as well. Uh, for example, up in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, of course, we are famous for our black bears, right? It's over every single tourist souvenir, mug, hat, you get it. And there are so many black bears, especially in the spring and summer when the moms are out with their babies, and it's really, really cute. Now, unfortunately, people will like to leave stuff out for the bears. They like to approach the bears, and this can make bears um, very curious in a way that's not safe for them. So, you mean like tightrope walking to get ketchup? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of like that, but... <laughs> 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 Yeah, so actually, I was in the Smoky Mountains when I was helping assist with bat research, and one of the areas we were researching at, uh, there had been a bear attack recently. There was a hiker who had been leaving out his food, and he decided, you know, to do a hammock a little bit off the trail, and next thing you know, a bear smells food, he comes up, sees the person, and then drags him out of his hammock and attacks him. Luckily, uh, the hiker survived uh, with relatively minor wounds, <laughs> relatively, this is still a bear even if it's just a black bear. But because of that incident, um, I don't know if the bear got away or not, but when bears prove to be uh, habitual in terms of investigating or coming near people, this actually can result in them being euthanized, uh, which is really sad. And it's completely avoidable too. So please, 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 please do not, for the love of all that is still divine and holy, approach wild animals. If you go to any national park or wildlife area, there will be signage telling you to stay on the trails and view wildlife from a safe distance. Uh, I believe it was on, let's see here, the national parks website. They actually talk about uh, you want to be at least 25 to about 100 yards from large wildlife like bears or wolves, um, and usually a minimum of about 50 yards, though, just in general. So... I tell kids, and I think it works for everybody, to use what's called the rule of thumb, which I kind of made up, but I think it works really well. And that's if you stick your thumb all the way out in front of you and hold like a thumbs up. If the animal you're looking at is bigger than your thumb, you are too close to that wild animal. Yeah, that's That makes sense. Yeah, it's just attached to your hands. So you can't lose it. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't get close to animals. Don't leave your cars to go out and get a picture of the animal, you know. Don't do it. <laughs> it's really simple. And if you see someone out in the park who may be doing something very dangerous in terms of approaching the animal, it is okay to be like, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. Uh, obviously, 
you can only intervene so much. And at that point, you will want to notify someone like a ranger or a national park official and let them know that you saw something happening. Also, if you do happen to see an animal that looks injured or ill, also want to report that to the park authorities as well. Very good. Um, so, yeah, so okay. be considered and be yeah. considered of... Da, 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 da. Um, so this is the last leave no trace principle. Principle, principle. I can't speak English. It's fine. Pencil. Uh, we're <laughs> last doing, pencil. We're doing soap. Last one is be considerate of others. Um, again, this is common courtesy, um, but be mindful of your noise. So if you're running down the trail screaming, perhaps maybe you are disturbing others at myself. Um, if you you know, are one of those people who's like, I'm going to hike with a Beats speaker in my backpack and just blast music, you might be disturbing others who are trying to enjoy the nature. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, this is something that I didn't think about until I read it, but um, pay attention to who has the right of way. So many of these natural areas contain trails, not only for pedestrians, but also for equestrians on horses and people on bikes. Um, so pay attention to who has the right of way, who's coming and who's going, and just generally be aware of your surroundings. And Emily um, really likes horses, so this is really important. I'm riding one tomorrow for the second time. I will be there. <laughs> I will also be there. <laughs> um, anyway, um, another one, if you're bringing your pet, if pets are allowed in that area, make sure they're on a leash. Um, that way they don't approach an, either a wild animal or another animal that you may not want them to approach. Um, and then just don't be a terrible person. You know, people are going into nature because they want to, for many reasons, there are a hundred thousand reasons that people spend time in nature. Um, and we want to be respectful of that and be respectful of others. So really it's common decency, but, um, they did think it was important enough to add it to the leave no trace principles. So very good. Um, Kenzie, let's wrap this up. All right, let's go my dudes and dudettes. So for our conservation conversation, Try out some leave no trace principles the next time you visit a natural area and see how many you can practice and maybe even teach someone else about leave no trace. Uh, you can go to a the You can go to the leave no trace website at lnt.org. Again, that's lnt.org. And it'll be linked on our website. There you go. Um, it's pretty easy to find, but they have a lot of really good information and resources there. Um, and again, these are practiced in a lot of common natural areas and sites and parks and things across the United States. Um, but you can, you, you can practice these anywhere. So it doesn't matter where you are. You can always try to practice some leave no trace principles. Um, this week, I don't think we have any big announcements. Um, anybody want to jump in? No, um, I, think I, have we're good. A, I have a podcast recommendation for Ooh. our listeners. So I don't know if you, but it's called national parks after dark. Oh, yes. Yes, they are so good. I just recently discovered them last week, and I've been binging all of their episodes. It's amazing. What's it about? Uh, so it's these two women, Danielle and Cassie. They're actually both vet techs, and they're super into the outdoors. And so each episode, they will focus on a national park or state park, some form of public lands or wildlife area. And they will cover um, kind of morbid topic topics. So survival stories, disaster stories, <gasps> cryptozoology sometimes, even murders. But they also do a great job of incorporating facts about those areas and conservation messages as well. And they even had an episode recently where they um, interviewed 
oh gosh, what's its name? What's his name? But he did, I think, the longest running predator prey study on wolves. Ooh, oh, I know what you're talking about, but I can't think yes. of his name. Yes, that dude. So they're really, really cool. Shout out to Danielle and Cass. You guys probably don't listen to our podcast, but I really love you guys. <laughs> okay, I'm definitely checking it out. I love morbid stories. That's bad, but I do. Okay, good. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's really good. Um, so, yeah, check it out. Yeah, do it. Uh, um, and then oh, no, uh, lastly, um, our normal spiel. Um, if you aren't following us on social media, that's fine because I never post. Um, <laughs> if you... But if you really want to get a hold of us, that is a great way to get a hold of us is drop us a Facebook message or an Instagram message. Um, we had the cutest Instagram message of all time um, a couple, like a week ago. Um, we will be covering some of the topics that that listener reached out about um, in future episodes. So oh shout out gosh. to you. You made me cry. It was very sweet. Let me um, find his name so we can oh, say yeah. his name. Yes. Um, it's somewhere in our DMs. But it was a very, very sweet message from oh, a new listener. Oh, my gosh. Jabari. Jabari, we love you. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. Um, we thought it was very sweet. He said he listens in chronological order, so I don't know if he will hear this in any timely manner. Um, but he because- said, you all rock illy already. This podcast is sick heart in a good way. And I, oh, we love him. He also mentioned the Minnesota Zoo. So Abby is in love with him. That's I fine. mean, I'm not in love with him. I'm well, in love with him in a friend way, you know? Yeah. I'm in love with everybody. It's just how it is. You know what I mean. Ugh. Um, okay. Amazing. Back on track. Um, if you have a question or anything like that, um, you can reach us on Instagram, on Facebook, at our email, which is conservationqueenspodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our website. I'm not going to read the URL, but if you want it, we can get it to you. Uh, if you want more Instagram. bonus content, if you want to see some amazing things, which is so far just one episode, but we'll get more on there, um, give us – you know, a little beluga babe money um, for just $5 a month. You can be a beluga babe and support us. And it helps keep us ad free because no one likes to listen to ads. Um, I don't know what lastly, we're talking about. Me undies. <laughs> <laughs> um, lastly, if you haven't already, please rate us five stars on. This is the best way to help spread the word about our podcast um, and get other people to learn about it, which is what we're all about. Um, the beluga but- Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Literally my life. Um, But thank you so much for joining us this week and get out there and stay sustainable and leave no trace. Bye. Bye. Bye.